0: On this episode of Tamarindo, we talk to Christopher Rivas, an actor, author, and podcaster who recently released his first book, Brown Enough, part memoir and part social commentary, which explores what it means to be a brown in America. We talk about storytelling, feeling enough in light of our intersectional identities and anti-blackness and anti-indigenous sentiments in our community. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hi Tamarindo podcast listeners, we're back to remote listening or remote, I guess, remote recording, I should say. So if you hear echo sounds, uh, zoom sounds, electric sounds, you know, you know how it works. You know how it is. So que pasa Ana Sheila?
0: Que pasa? Well, I officially moved in to my new place in in Mexico. I'm back in Mexico. And uh, I spent a few days with my friend before that in their in their back house. And what I realized is that I'm not I'm just not a wilderness girl. I don't think I could live in a really tropical place that has a lot of big insects or or animals or mosquitoes because just staying in in this back house, um, it's a little bit more exposed. So I was sleeping there the other night. I get woken up at 3 a.m. by a shuffling sound happening in my room.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. In the middle of Halloween? Oh, no.
0: Yes, it's 3 a.m actually it was 333 so i'm like universe what are you trying to tell me why did you wake me up at 333 oh 3 is a
1: good thing by the way it, it is it is <laughs> it's is 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 a good so, thing so,
0: it is so it was a little <laughs> bit confusing right because it's 333 but i'm i'm terrified so i hope that the noise goes away i'm thinking oh maybe it's just something that's like passing by maybe it's outside but no i can the noise is kind of loud and so i turn on the lights I started searching for this animal. It sounds like it's very big, so I'm very scared.
1: Oh my gosh. And then
0: I <laughs> I finally find it and it's actually an insect. It's the biggest insect I've ever seen in my life.
1: <laughs> Give us perspective. So, like what's the size? Like a like a quarter, like a like, dollar bill. What's the size okay, we're talking about? Okay. Think
0: of like yeah, a dollar a, slightly smaller than a dollar bill. Oh hell, no. Hell no. <laughs> and so I'm like oh my god and so I'm like okay what do I do what do I do I don't know anything about this insect it might be poisonous it looks like it has a really big shell like what's in that thing
1: Ew! and so
0: (laughs) and so finally I end up like killing it because I'm like is this thing gonna jump is it gonna fly and okay so I think I kill it Brenda right so I, I think I kill it I have this basket I like smash it so I go back to bed you know it's little legs are standing up so I'm like okay I killed it oh my god that was disgusting I'm in bed a few seconds later Brenda I start to hear the noise again. Oh my god. Did and you come like, back Hell, to life? No. So I go check on it. I'm like, is it just like dying painfully? I don't even like killing bugs, but I just didn't know like what kind of bug this was, you know? I hate the crunchy you know? So I lift up the basket. Girl, it's still alive. And when I lift up the basket, home girl or homeboy flips over and oh. it's like looks like normal again. And oh, it, it felt no. like I was watching the, ter- you know, have you ever seen the Terminator and that bad cop that just keeps coming back like to life somehow? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I felt about this bug. And so finally I just go crazy and like actually kill it. My heart is beating fast. It finally dies. The next, I'm not able to go back to sleep, mind you, because I'm like, oh my God, if there's this one, what if another one comes on my bed? Like, what if I get attacked by these bugs? So I finally maybe get one more sleep, one more hour of sleep, wake up in the morning, Look, look up this bug. Okay, so this bug, Brenda, is called Cara de Niño. <laughs> it's called. Cara this de is Niño. such a someone, good Halloween story. <laughs> someone that hates kids gave this bug its name,
1: <laughs> Cara de Niño.
0: Because <laughs> it's a, it was a monster. So what I found out for anyone who's ever they're from they're they're native. I don't know if they're native, but there's a lot of them in Central Mexico. My first time seeing it, Cara de Niño, y'all. So. It doesn't fly, it's not poisonous, but it does bite and it hurts and apparently it's very stinky. But if you see one of these, just, it's not gonna kill you, but they're really ugly and pero
1: scary. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> well, you may not be any safer in the city because I am covered in mosquito bites. You know, mosquitoes love you and they love me. I am covered in us. mosquito bites from the last couple of nights here in Los Angeles. So I don't know if you can escape them. They're out there, <laughs> they yeah. are out there.
0: So, yes, yeah, so that ah. is my Halloween, my Halloween story, pero <laughs> ¿qué pasa contigo, Brenda? ¿Tú cómo estás?
1: Well, um, nothing in particular stands out, but I think because I know that you and I both are um, passionate about the mind and how it works. I was just listening to another podcast that I really enjoy. It's called Hidden Brain. And I'll just give you the notes, and we'll link this episode in the show notes in case people find it helpful. But a lot of my friends and I, I don't know if it's because of the age that we're in or what, but, 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 but we've been... Feeling anxious, we've been feeling anxiety a lot more present than than before. Maybe it's because people talk about it so much. Who knows? But basically, what this episode reveals um, with with science is why I like it is that we, we as a society we, we have maybe almost coddled people too much that we we people that experience anxiety and, and um, we we try to comfort them and that actually ends up making them less resilient and more anxious is basically the the cliffs notes take a listen The summary, the takeaway is like make anxiety your friend. Anxiety is a good thing because it warns you about dangers and you could be prepared and let's stop coddling each other. So that's the that's the cliff notes. But who do we have, Anishayla?
0: So I'll, I'll cue it up a little bit. But something we talk a lot about on the show is taking care of ourselves. And that starts like feeling like we deserve to be taken care of. And I think a lot of us struggle often with like about feeling enough and feeling like we deserve a lot of things. Right. Um, Especially when many of us have intersectional identities So how do we get to just feeling enough Feeling like we deserve nice things And how do we, once we get there, how do we stay there? So on this episode, we talked to Christopher Rivas about just that He is an actor, author, podcaster, and storyteller Who recently released his book, Brown Enough Part memoir and part social commentary Which explores what it means to be brown in America So let's take a listen to this interview Today, we're so excited to have Christopher Rivas on Tamarindo Podcast. He's an actor, author, podcaster, and storyteller who recently released his book, Brown Enough, and a podcast by the same name. Christopher, thank you so much for being on the show today.
2: What's up, y'all? Hola, everybody. Hi, 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 (laughs) Hey,
0: well, let's get started. You're a storyteller. You live it, you breathe it, and you teach it through different mediums. What inspired this pursuit, and who's a storyteller that inspired you, and and why?
2: So the... (laughs) The funny story of how I... I mean, so many storytellers, right? Like, from the first moment I see John Leguizamo on Broadway to even when I saw sort of Beauty and the Beast, right, to when I saw Peter Pan in fifth grade. Like, so the theater, there's that storytelling. Uh, I wasn't much of a reader when I was a kid. There's great actors who were storytellers to me, you know. I didn't have vocabulary for all this, but so many storytellers moved me as an artist to want to be that. But this term storytelling entered my life. I haven't told this story in a minute actually. Uh early twenties. I feel like most of my my young artistic life was like, what am I? I would try poetry. Am I a slam poet? I would do that in New York, you know, like this. Maybe I should write a play. Like, oh let me try and write TV because you know, like oh, let me do this. Like let me I'm an actor. I'm a theater actor. I'm a TV actor. They were all so separate. And then I went to Big Sur with this woman. And we did a bunch of mushrooms up there. And we got all our stuff stolen while we were on mushrooms. And we went and found all of our stolen stuff on mushrooms in the dark in Big Sur. And it was the first time, in my, it was the, one of the most amazing experiences of my life. But it's the first time in my life where I was like, I need to tell this story. I need to share it top to bottom. And it's crazy that I'd never felt that way. I was like it's funny, but I was like, there's medicine in here. I just knew it. I was like, this needs to be shared. And so you make it, you, you get that declaration with the universe where the universe meets you and your deepest desire. And then I get an email in my inbox about, Hey, my friend is like putting together this storytelling competition, kind of like the moth. Like, do you want to do it? I was like, never done it. I was like, sure. And I won. And I was like, I'm home here. There's something about this. I'm so home with storytelling." And that day, this is crazy, I begged eight of my friends to take a storytelling class that I'd never taught before for free. I basically begged eight people, and eight people allowed me to have their time over four weeks to teach them something I've never taught before. And we would have a culmination at the end, a story a sharing. And it went amazing. And those eight turned into another eight that paid 15 bucks, into another eight that paid 25, into another eight, into another 10, to 1,000 that, you know, like... Um, it just grew and grew and grew and all of a sudden storytelling was the funnel that whether I was writing a poem or acting on a TV show or writing a play or being present for someone, I was here to facilitate story. And so that's like how storytelling was born.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. So you've talked about personal storytelling as a way to get close to yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. And then your book is called Brown Enough. And I feel like when I just reading the title, I could tell this is something that this title was important that you, this is something you had to be able to tell yourself and really believe it first before you put it on the title of this book to share with everybody else, right? To give them this message. So can you speak to the process of getting closer to yourself through storytelling and, and getting to be quote unquote enough? What is What was that process like?
2: Yeah, so for the people listening The way I describe it, and I will will do an audio description, (laughs) is you have one hand on the left, you have the other on the right, and your hand on the left is who you are, and the hand on the right is who you want to be. And then there's all this space in the middle. And one of the joys I think of life is uh, closing the gap between your hands so that you come together, and then you are the thing you want to be. And one of the ways I have, I think there's a lot of ways to get there. One of the ways I have found is storytelling is speaking my truth right whatever that is for you being honest being vulnerable being intimate uh with life like letting life show you who you are and you showing others who you are this is what i have been able to discover through storytelling and and writing and essaying and just this ability to re-meet myself and and not just like my beauties, but also call myself out on my shit. Like, why did I do this? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I speak up for myself? Why do I love in this way? Why do I do the thing that I know is wrong for me, but I do it anyway? And, and so I go into these questions and I write them down. And that was sort of the process of, of this book and my work in general is big fan of questions. I care less about answers like you ask a big fat question and hopefully you can live yourself into an answer. Uh and so I ask questions that hopefully create cracks in me that allow me to meet myself more and more and more. Uh so that's like the the process that that birthed this this book and and my art. Yeah.
0: Um I also heard you say resilience is the ability to keep opening your heart and and correct me if I phrase it slightly off but uh, that really resonated with me because I think sometimes we think of resilience as as just like toughness, right? But I think resilience really requires softness and vulnerability. So, can you expand on what this statement means to you?
2: Yeah, I, I think resilience is is malleability. Like it's softer, it's fluid. Uh, the reason babies are so incredible is because they fall a lot and they keep bouncing up. And then we get older and we get stiff, and then we can't we can't bounce up as quick get tight uh and so i when i heard that line because that's not my line i i'd heard that in a in a book of poetry Mm. gosh i wish i could remember the name of the book it's called beige pursuit beige pursuit Mm,
0: beige pursuit
2: beige pursuit and she or they i believe it's i don't know they write And I could have butchered it too, but the way I took it, because that's the beauty of poetry, right? When it hits us, it hits us and it, it enters our blood is resilience is the ability to keep opening your heart. And I just love that because as an artist, as a human, all of us want something in this life. And I think it's peace, you know, and... So many, and and so much of this life is suffering and and setbacks and unfortunate and this and last minute, no, gosh, I didn't expect that and this and finances and dating and then I'm in the and we have to keep showing up. We have to keep opening our heart. We have to keep opening our chest. We have to keep opening our heart. And I just really loved that, you know, the softness of that language is so much better than like, keep going, just do it, hustle culture, more, 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 get it no matter what. Uh those phrases they sell to us in like a CrossFit gym are dangerous. <laughs> like they don't encourage rest and mental peace. Uh and that prefer that's what I prefer as a as a human is like less of the hustle, 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 go, 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 and more spaciousness. And so this idea of resilience as a soft practice of opening your heart. Which is really the hardest work in the world? Let's not get it twisted. That's the hardest work in the world. So that's the irony. It feels soft, but it's that's the work. We do we do the other stuff to not keep our chest open. Yes. To not open our heart. Um. So yeah, stay resilient. You know, like that's how we show up, especially as bodies of culture in this world. If we have I faith and persistence, we got to keep opening our heart.
0: Yes. I love that. I love that. hundred percent feel that. And that resonates with me so much. Um, I want to get back to being enough. W- what did it take for you to finally feel enough? Brown enough, you enough, whatever enough.
2: In this moment, talking to you, I feel enough, but I want to be clear that like, it's an ebb and flow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: an ebb and flow. I, I think, I think the greatest monks in the world, it's an ebb and flow. Like until you wake up, you ain't mm-hmm. awake, you know like until you're enlightened uh but but the thing is you can you can have longer spaces of enoughness between the drop between the delusion that you might not be enough What did it take for what was the repeat the question what did it take for me to get there yeah, um this conversations like this uh opening my heart, you know, being present for people, letting people show me who I am, you know, as that's just as important. Let the world show you who you are. And I think constantly, we're moving through the world trying to be like, look at me, see me, this is who I am. Uh, versus when you're in honest community and honest spaces of belonging, those things will reveal to you what you can stand for and what you can no longer stand for. And that's so important that when you walk through the world, you start to take notice. Is this for me? Do I need to cut this out of my life? Is this my choice or someone else's? Is this my story about myself or someone else's story about me? And and so all of this, all of this work as as an artist has allowed me to get here beautiful conversations like this, incredible people like you outside of this recorded conversation uh the event we met at you know an incredible event event of you know brown uh latine ex latinidad creators and thinkers and culture makers um events like last night right uh where people are open enough to talk about the trauma they had as a little as a little girl on the playground uh when some little kid asked her who she was and then 37 years later she's still crying about it she's still crying about it 37 years later cuz it hurts Cause it's real. So all of that, all of that creating spaces of belonging and actively putting myself in spaces of belonging have allowed me to feel like I am enough.
0: Yes. So beautiful. And I think two things that stood out to me is like, ask continuing to ask ourselves the right questions and, and just asking ourselves questions huge, huge. and, and yes. And I think the other thing is that I really love that you said is, is that, you know, that it is an ebb and flow type of experience. Sometimes we're like, I can't wait to feel enough. I can't wait to be healed. And sometimes we're so stuck on like the I can't wait that it really takes away from 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 just accepting that this is just being softer with ourselves, right? That this is a journey and creating. I think I love what you said about it's really just about there being bigger gaps between feeling being enough and like the and not feeling enough, right?
2: I can't wait is an interesting thing that I was meditating on last night quite a bit because there was a lot of turmoil in me this year, a lot of peace and a lot of turmoil and a lot of gratitude. So I think that's why when, you know, someone's like, are you excited? Are you happy? I'm like, I know those feelings. I know the anxiety of those highs. Uh, In one year, I booked my first series regular, launched two podcasts and a book. You know, like (laughs) in less than a year. Um, and in that, so much of that work was about unpacking who I am and family trauma and interviewing and flying all over the world. And, uh, and, and there was a time when I was waiting for those contracts for all of those four things at once talk about, I can't wait, but am I worthy? Is it, am I going to lose it? Is it going to go away from me? Is it going to happen? Is it... I mean, the anxiety I had. The stories about everything, you know, about loss and about worth and value. And and then you're in all this stuff and it's all happening at once. And there were so many days where I'm like, why, why, do, why did I need to do all this at once? <laughs> like, what? Um... I, this, I can't wait, you know, and and then I'm here and it's happening. And it's so tempting. Desire is so tempting to tell you what's next. What's next? Sure. But what's next? Or, oh, that's really nice. But how come you didn't get this feature in the New York Times? You know, like, oh, Mm -hmm. desire is so tempting. that its ability to tell you that where you are is not enough and that you need to be somewhere else, and that you need to do more. And that's really, that's like really my battle in all this, is to be present. It's to be wildly present. Uh, Because I don't like that feeling of I can't wait, or what's next. That's the question that's dangerous. What's next? What's next? This is here. This is happening. This
0: is here, 100%.
2: You're here. You know, well, last yeah, night I was in, uh, two nights ago I was in New York and um, I was exhausted. Oh my gosh, I was tired. It was the end of this like three week thing. And then the next morning I was going to see you and all those people in LA, you know, like at 6 a.m. And I was so tired. And um, a part of me wanted to go home and go to the gym at the hotel. I was like, bro, you need to take a nap. <laughs> I'm like your body is saying, you need a rest so i rest and then I and then i go down to dinner and i'm so tired i'm so tired and i go down to dinner in the hotel by myself uh and i sit next to someone and i, I don't know how we start chatting and we start chatting and then their friend comes and i have one of those magical evenings you know of being present where four and a half hours pass by sitting and talking with people Over food, over yummy food and a glass of wine and, you know, an espresso after. And, like, just a beautiful evening. And here my ass was wanting to go work out. What's next? Not wanting to nap. Not wanting to rest. Not wanting to let life show me who I am. You know, these two wonderful strangers who who taught me so much that night. uh, And we laughed so much. And isn't that the moments we're going to remember? I'm not going to remember that workout in the gym. Facts. But I am going to remember who I met at dinner at the hotel that night. And how much fun we had. And what we talked about. Yeah. Yes. I love
0: that. Okay. So we're both, we both spent a lot of time in L.A. Um, so there's no way to avoid the recent audio leak that exposed some deep anti-Black and anti-Indigenous sentiments from various Latine City Council members. The aftermath has been wild, but I think it was an important moment for our city, for our country, for this larger community, because the reality is this, this isn't surprising, right? Anti-Blackness and anti-Indigenous sentiments are something that something that's ingrained in, in all of us, even though so many people from Latin America have Black and Indigenous heritage, right? we're taught that we want to get as close to whiteness as possible. At least that's been my experience. Um, So because of that, many people, I think, rightfully critique sometimes the use of Latinidad, right? Because they argue that it helps to perpetuate some of these sentiments. It erases communities and it makes it easier for folks like these city council members to to hide behind Latinidad and say they're down for the community when they're not down for everybody, right? So, you know, I know you're Dominican and, and Colombian, and you identify it as, as Brown. H- how are you feeling about this moment? How do we both come together and heal from this, but also acknowledge the limitations and, and dangers of Latinidad and, and the views of a lot of our community?
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, I... <laughs> it's a big question. It's a big question. <laughs> um, where to begin? Uh, what happened with city council is three things. Uh, Unfortunate, not surprising, and thank God it happened, right? Got to have the conversation. Like, got to continue the conversation. Because we, Latinos, Latinidad, whatever, we do not talk about enough how much anti-blackness is in our blood. How much colonialism and Eurocentricism is braided into us. We are some of the most deluded people as a culture. We have bought into the white gaze heavy. And we don't talk about that. That's real. I'll jump back to that. I wanted this this thing about Latinidad and and the term. And uh, I interviewed someone on the Brown Enough podcast. And she believes... This is interesting. Anything with Latin, <laughs> Latin, in it, is trying to tie you to whiteness. Mm. And she says everybody is Afro Latino.
0: Because
2: mm. what you come from is not Latin whiteness, right? It doesn't It doesn't claim and honor your indigenous nature and roots and the people that were there. And if you don't feel comfortable with Afro-Latino, she's like, we don't have currently another term that that fits, indig- you know, indigenous eh, or whatever. You know, we don't have it. Yeah. But she's like, anything Latin is trying to push you towards whiteness. This is something I'd never heard, actually. Like, so she's the first person that I've heard say this. So I'm curious when it comes out to, you know, hear what people think. Uh, cause it feels controversial when it also, it shouldn't, it should just be, con- it should just be. And that's the thing. These like terms are so controversial because no one feels, we have so much nastiness braided into us that no one feels accepted, right. but also don't put anything on me, but also like, right. Um, we have to break beyond terms because there will never be a box or a term that can contain you. And that's mm-hmm. real too, right? That's a bigger yes. conversation. A lot of my work in rediscovering my own culture, because I actually felt very sort of, I felt close and far to my culture as a child. You know, I knew that my culture was more than salsa, merengue, bachata, uh, salsichon, you know, uh, <laughs> like, uh, mango, you know, like yummy ass food. I knew I was more than food and music, but I, but I didn't get that history. And so a lot of my work has been about getting that history. And part of getting history is not just uh, not just the beautiful stuff. You know, I'm Dominican. So there's one of the worst genocides in the world in my blood. I'm Colombian. There's tremendous anti-blackness in my blood. Where we took most of the black people and put them all to Cartagena. And we called it the Chocolate City which is something we once called DC, right? Uh, that is in my blood. And so I, I need to own that and call that out because that's, what's in my blood. A black grandmother who's not black, that's in my blood. Why is my black grandmother not black? You know, Mm. that's what's in my blood. Um, and en- enough of us don't do that, and then these leaks happen, and they're not surprising. And yes, I'm really grateful for all the v- people are are voicing their 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 troubles. And I know one person resigned, which is not enough, and it's incredible that the other ones have not. Like truly, that is that's a whole other mental study in its own right. Like that's not giving a fuck like, in the yeah. highest way. <laughs> Um, it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not surprising and it's unfortunate. And, and I think so many of us need to really look cause it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, in our blood, if you are of Afro Latino, whatever indigenous roots, Caribbean roots, um, there is probably some ugliness in there that we need to confront and know about.
0: 100%. Thank you. Thank you for offering your your perspective and your reflections on that. But I I agree with you. This is, it's unfortunate, um, but it's also, I'm grateful that it happened as as well. Um, Okay, so I'd love to move on to the part of our interview where we like to ask our guests, our rapid fire questions. What do you want to give a matraca to? So this is something that you're loving or you want to give a shout out to right now. What do you want to put in la basura? And then lastly, what's giving you calma? What's keeping you grounded right now? So let's start with Matraca. What, what are you loving right now? What do you want to give a shout out to?
2: What am I loving? What do I want to give a shout out to? Uh, I'm just so grateful that I have been in uh, so many spaces recently of beautiful brown, black body of culture-ness. So I just really want to give a shout out to all of the creators who are making these spaces of belonging. And and how beautiful it is to actively find those people cuz they're there and be in community with them. Uh so I just want to give a shout out to creators right now who are making spaces of belonging. Like you know who you are. You're listening. You know how good it feels. You know what you do for the community. Hype yourself up and don't lose faith in that. Like you are doing good for the world and the community and the people. You give us the courage to keep opening our hearts.
0: Yes, I felt that. Um, Okay. And conversely, what are you putting in la basura right now?
2: (laughs) Um, I'm putting what's next in the garbage.
0: Yes.
2: So I can be here.
0: So you can be wildly present.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm putting what's next in the garbage so i can be wildly present
0: i love that and then lastly what is giving you calma right now what's helping you stay grounded through this all
2: <laughs> gratitude gratitude is my driving force you know uh, gratitude and ancestors <laughs> like uh, the ancestors are here and they will hold you down so like stay grounded you know and, and gratitude gratitude keeps me grounded it does it's a force that says uh i'm here i'm grateful this is this is it this is happening this is right uh it's even beyond my own sight and like get comfortable with that just gratitude is the force that is keeping me grounded
0: and not in a like
2: write 50 things down every day that you're grateful for like my toothbrush, my sheets, my, you know, like, yeah, I mean, that's cool too, actually. Like it, the practice of gratitude is also cool, which is gratitude as a, as, as a space of being versus a mm-hmm. thing to be grateful for.
0: Yeah. You know, I think sometimes though, writing that list is what helps you get to the state of being of, of yep. gratitude. Because
2: right? ideally, if you write that list, you should never stop.
0: Right, right, right. You could just go on How and would on. you stop at
2: 20, 25, 30, right, 40, right, right. 50, like... Always- if you got a roof over your head, like so, wow, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, and a full yeah. belly uh, and water, especially and mm-hmm. air to especially breathe. Especially in LA, having a roof over you, you know, is, it's actually a that, privilege. That
2: list should never <laughs> end, and I think, like you know, one of my teachers, you know, Not Han, that's that's his work, right? Like his work is like, mm. how can you, how can you write anything on a piece of paper and not see the cloud and the rain and the farmer that helped you get it, and the and the bread maker who gave. Bread to the farm to that you know, like the line is so deep. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. You totally got me in like a gratitude in like a meditative state of gratitude right now. (laughs) So thank you for that.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: Um, and I guess to close out, if you, what, what's a lot, how can people support you? Where can they find you or any last message that you want to share with, with our listeners?
2: Uh, supporters read the book. Yeah. Buy the book, the audio book. If my voice sounds anything appealing to you, (laughs) like you get the audio book, you can get the the reading book everywhere you get books, you know, Amazon bookshop, Barnes and Nobles stores, all the things, uh, we're on our second printing, so that's super exciting. Uh, read it, leave a review. And the podcast we have the Ruby Rosa podcast and the Brown Enough podcast. Those are on the same feed. Uh, Ruby Rosa is about the Dominican man that James Bond was based on. It's a 10 part series. And then we have the Brown Enough Weekly show that's really, really beautiful. Uh, that's what I got Instagram, Christopher double underscore Rivas. Uh, you'll find me. I, I also have the Twitters and the TikToks, but Instagram is my main thing. Uh, but you'll 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 find me. Uh, yeah, read the book, listen to the podcast. I'm I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Christopher, I just want to thank you so much for such a beautiful conversation. It's a pleasure to to know you and get to share space with you.
2: Truly, same. Thank you.
0: All right. Take care. Bye. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. So let's switch into our matracas, basuras, and calmas. Brenda, what's getting your matraca this week?
1: Let's see what is getting my matraca this week. Um, I think what comes to mind is just spending time with my really good friends, Laura and Evelyn, who don't listen to this podcast, even though they're my really, really good friends. They don't listen to the show, but uh, we got to celebrate Laura's birthday on Thursday. We we like, like, I guess it's kind of like a new thing that we're doing is we're we're, instead of like these big old huge birthdays, like we're just going to really special restaurants. And we went to Bestia in, in LA and it was beautiful to be with, with our friends and the company that we share. We just laugh and have such a great time. So I guess the, the Matraca is them, but I'll go ahead and slap like insert a basura here. I don't know why, but all of the new hip restaurants and this place is not that new. I mean, it's been around for 10 years, but basically any restaurant that's like hip in LA, they all have the same exact freaking concept. The waitress will come up or server. I should say the server will come up and they'll say, have you been here before? And then they'll say, well, here you have to order three things and that'll be enough. And each thing is like $25 and it's like. Why, bitch? Why? Why do we have to order three things each that are twenty five dollars each and like family style? Every fucking restaurant has the same exact format. Anyways, so, you know, you're going to spend like two hundred dollars. But I got to say this place was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was it was um, it was a splurge, but it was pretty good. I just am kind of sick of that concept with with all these like high end restaurants. So my matraca and my basura combined—that's what
0: I have. (laughs) I I I was was gonna say that sounds like a matraca and a basura. And also, your accent right now was so on point (laughs) for for these (laughs) servers.
1: Ay, ay, ay. You know, I'll tell you a little bit more. One of the things that I have—speaking of anxiety and all that—I have been a server. Like I've been, I've work restaurants i'm grateful for my time working at in n out i'm grateful for my time working at mimi's i know that hard work and i really appreciate it that being said um, and because of that background i I actually get a lot of anxiety when i'm with people that haven't worked in restaurants because they are often not the best at ordering food they'll like make the waiter wait while making their decisions while the waiter is right there like all the stuff that i know I hate I hated when I was a server. So I get a lot of anxiety and I got to say that Evelyn and Lauda are the the least well-behaved people at restaurants. But they were at their best on Thursday. They were like really good and our our server just like was not into it. She was from the very beginning was like these girls are not going to order three three things per person and just like treated us really crappy. So basura to her. <laughs>
0: Yes. But I feel you on on that anxiety because I've also been a server. And and, and recently I've been with my friend helping her with with her kids. And going to a restaurant with kids is a whole thing. Like at times I was like, you know what, we're going to need a minute. You you could come back because I could just because I also know what it's like to be stressed out as a server because the table's taking too long to order and you have all these other tables you need to get to. So I feel oh you Oh my on gosh, that too, it's though. the
1: worst. I'm so, I didn't know that about you. Yay. I'm so glad yeah. that you, you've been in that. <laughs> you've been on the other end.
0: <laughs> yes, girl. It's hard. It's hard. It is hard work. You got And you got to make sure you're friends with, the, with everybody on your team too. I remember, I feel like I got a little bit haze when I joined. Like the chef wasn't like super nice to me at first. Like I had to like gain his trust. So like sometimes I had to like be begging him to like help me like rush an order because I forgot to put one in or something like that. You know, it was it <laughs> it's was, a whole it was thing. So, it's a whole thing. Yes,
1: it's a whole thing. So true. That is so true. OK, what is yeah. your matraca, Shayla?
0: OK, so my tra- my matraca is, is one of those lessons that I've gotten from Mexico that was reiterated to me. It's it's the it's a no pasa nada idea. So for for some of y'all that, that don't that don't know it, it's like it's everything's going to be OK, even if like something's like. Things are kind of rough. It's like, let's take it like take a chill pill. This is maybe a difficult situation, but it's like it's gonna be okay. Just kind of like it's like kind of a calming phrase. Um and so it I experienced it in this new apartment that I just moved into. Um it's a little bit complicated to set the alarm and un like arm and unarm the, the 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 whatever, the, the alarm for the apartment. And so, but if you end up making a mistake, you you can set off the alarm and the cops come and I the, oh, the woman goodness. who was explaining <laughs> but the woman who was explaining it to me she was like you know what like if you set it off one day like it's fine the cops will come and like you know it's not the end of the world this happened before it'll probably happen again like you'll you're gonna be okay and so because me i was kind of freaking out you know and i'm oh my god i gotta get this right but it was just like you know what it's gonna be it's gonna be all right so just matraca to the the people the very kind people that moved me into my new place who were just very sweet and just made me feel like everything's good so, so Matraca to,
1: to the, the No Pasa Nada attitude. I like yes. it. Okay. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> Very good. Right. Um, I'm ready for a basura, but are you?
0: Yes. Let me hear yours first.
1: Okay. Mine's really silly, but I really hate when you're at a family gathering. And of course, everyone's like, oh my gosh, we're together. Let's take a group picture, right? And you're like running around like, oh no, well, you know, Nancy's missing from this picture. Okay, we got her. And so now there's like a commotion. Everyone's like, oh, there's a group picture. So then the original plan of like one person taking the picture, all of a sudden there's like three Diaz trying to take the goddamn picture and nobody's looking at the right fucking camera. So my basura is to not taking family pictures one at a time that's my best
0: part. girl this whole time that you were sharing this I was <laughs> trying really hard not to like laugh out loud because I was cackling in my head <laughs> because we hate that <laughs> because you told me Brenda's told me that it's better that we wait to have our reactions while we're recording. <laughs> But I was cackling in my head, Brenda, because it's absolutely accurate. There's three cameras. Why? And no one's no one says like, hey, me first, me second. Everyone just decides to take them all at the same time. Yes. And the product
1: is these beautiful pictures with three people looking in the wrong direction. It's it's terrible. Please. Christmas is coming. Get ready.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So so there needs to be someone that's responsible for the photos, like like an assigned family member. That's the photo photo person. It's yeah, what a mess. Well what is your basura? My basura is um to people complimenting you by insulting where you're from. So mm. this dude yesterday as I was walking around my new neighborhood, this dude stops me, he tells me, he asks me, he's like, Hey, um I thought he was gonna ask me for directions. He's like, Hey, are you are you from here? And I was like, Well, I'm new to the neighborhood, but you know, he's like, Oh, I'm not I'm not Mexican. I was like, Oh I am and he was like, Oh, because I was gonna ask you where you were from porque eres muy Porque no sabía que había una mexicana tan chula, like trabajas para Televisa, like, basically I didn't know some Ew. like a Mexican could be this cute. Do you work for the national like, TV network or something? And the one I was that makes like, the Oh novelas. my god, so I just like walked away. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I was like, oh my god, you really think that like you're gonna compliment me by insulting the country that I'm from and my people? <laughs> like, get out of here and get out of this country. Anyway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ew, wh- wh- where were they from?
0: I don't even know some, I mean, somewhere Latin American, but not, but I guess not Mexico.
1: Absolute disgusting. Yeah. Basura, big, huge basura. Yes. What about your calma? Anashela? where are you getting your calma?
0: So my calma is taking a beat after something happened. So after my cara de nino experience, I was feeling horrible. (laughs) I got no sleep. I was tired. I was exhausted. I had a busy, I had a busy day that day. And so what I told myself, um, okay, this sucks. I'm t- I'm in a bad mood. I'm tired. But how can we, like, is there any way for me to sort of start again? Is there any way that I can, ch- what can I change in this moment? I took a beat. I, started, I wrote about it a little bit. And so I thought, how can I feel better right now? And the things that I thought, number one, let's be kind to yourself. This is probably not going to be your best day. You're probably going to get better sleep tonight. So just get through the day. This happens sometimes. Be gentle with yourself. So that was the first thing. Like, let's be kind to yourself. Your are your a hundred today is going to be, not your 100 on most days, number one. And number two, I was like, what can actually make me physically feel better? Because I'm so tired. And so I thought, number one, get some coffee. And then I thought, okay, a walk. Let me get a walk. I feel tired. Let me get some sunlight, vitamin D. And and then I worked out. And so that's how I I made sure that's how I started my day, regardless of everything else I needed to do, because I knew that working out and getting some sun was really going to set me up better for the rest of the day. And I did. I actually felt more energized and I was in a much better mood about everything once I worked out and got some sun. So Excellent. basically that. that's, that's my calma. <laughs>
1: That is so so good. I mean, I, I've been practicing that a little bit myself, just like listening to your body. Sometimes you're you're at the desk all day because you have to write something, you have to work on something and you feel a little weird. Sometimes all you got to do is get up and walk. You got to just move. You got re- yes. to move to charge. But my, my real calma right now goes to the time that you, me and Delcy spent together. Delcy from Occupacion Podcast, who is she's based in New York, but she happened to be in town in Los Angeles. I'm so grateful that she reached out, that we had the time to spend together. And just the 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 idea of imaginando cosas chingonas, right? We were just dreaming, just dreaming of like what if like money wasn't an issue, if obstacles were not there, what would we build? And it was so beautiful and and recharging to have that conversation with both of you, with Anashayla, with Delcy, it was so beautiful. So that is my calma.
0: Yes, I love that, and I felt the same about that time. Like, it, just the energy was really beautiful, and it reminded me how cool it is to be around people like Delcy who have this, who have a lot of energy, who have a lot of passion, and who also do similar things to you. Because it's just cool to be around people that are working on similar things, because we inspire each other, we and, and we motivate each other. So, I, I shout out to shout out to Delcy and, and shout out to you, Brenda, for bringing that up because I felt the same way about.
1: The time yeah. we spent together. And speaking of motivating each other, if you all love this podcast, you all can, of course, share this episode with a friend. We absolutely love when you do that. You all can definitely donate a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, five dollars, whatever feels possible, because all of that really helps us with some of the, we have expenses. (laughs) running this podcast where we have expenses. Occasionally we're able to bring a little bit of revenue that helps us with those expenses, but rarely is it beyond meeting those expenses. So we really would love your help and your contributions and your support. And we also really appreciate all the love notes. We do get a lot of love notes, a lot of DMs, a lot of messages, extra special if you take the time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts because that's the currency of podcasting. And we absolutely just love everything that we've been able to build with all of you listeners so thank you so much
0: yes keep the love coming it means so much to us so with that we will sign off we will see you all next week abrazos besos bye Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Anashayla Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards.
1: If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. the podcast.com.